0: This stage is going to be filled with my friend Mark Pomery, pastors at a church in Perth, Australia. And I met Mark uh, many years ago in Canada and uh, have become friends through the years. He is a world-class athlete, besides being a pastor. Uh, I figure I'm a world-class athlete also, at least in my mind I am. And, uh, but he really does it. Uh, triathlon, is that correct? And uh, he, he uh, is that one of the reasons why you're out here? No? No, oh, you're coming just for this. Well, let's get you up here then. <laughs> Would you welcome Mark Pomery? <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> can, I, um, can I relocate the furniture? Sure. Has anyone ever called Tom using Siri on your iPhone? <laughs> you should do it you'll learn that she pronounces his name different to everyone else on the planet. It's cool when I phone him. Phone, I say, phone Tom Vilobos and Siri, in an Aussie accent, when she's on my phone, says, phoning Tom Villalobos. <laughs> Still gets through, so it's all that matters, right? <clears throat> hey, uh, I think that every time I come here, I, I, I brag on your music team, and I never plan to, in fact, I plan not to because it's like it's what I did last time. And, uh, but the problem is every time I stand up the front and start to worship along with your music team, I just feel like God wants me to pump their tires. So all you guys in the music team, um, you guys are amazing. And, uh, <clears throat> I mean, you, you play, you're, great, you're great musicians and that's, that's cool too. You know, that's, 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 that's important, you know. You you do things sloppily in any aspect of church, and you're telling, you know, what the communication is to the unchurched world is that uh, they don't matter because we throw out our third best at them, you know. And God's not really up to much either. And so you guys are really great musicians, but, you know, that's not the most important thing because you can be really great musicians. There's one thing that the world's full of really great musicians. As I was uh, flying out of Perth, uh, on uh, Monday, um, Kiss were arriving at the same airport. And uh, it's, just, it's just, I've never seen so many tattoos in one airport at one time. And that's not the band, that was the fans. Um, they're great musicians, but, but they don't have the spirit of God coming from their music. And that's not being critical, but, but what I'm saying is, you guys, there's, you know, I was just trying to kind of put my finger on it. I'm worshipping, and I'm, there's a real honesty about your worship. I mean, there's a real passion, um, and, and that's evident, but there's a real honesty. It's, it's, and it's, it's almost like a, a childlike um, uh, simplicity. And, and I mean that in, in, in a positive sense. So I'm sort of looking around because I know the music team's dotted everywhere now, but just to say, guys, don't ever lose that. Don't, get, don't ever get overly complicated in your spirit. Keep that childlike spirit about you because it's just gorgeous. It's beautiful. Out there, things are so flipping complicated sometimes. You know, even Siri can't pronounce Tom's name right. But you come here and just this beautiful, sweet spirit of worship. Amazing. I mean, the, the volume pins my ears back. That's cool too. But the spirit is, is gorgeous. Hey, now, the other thing I want to say too, um, we, you know, I've been tracking with you guys over the last few years about the, the, the moved into the new building and so on and so forth. <coughs> You guys are about to pioneer a whole new chapter of Oak Valley Church, okay? That doesn't appeal to everybody. I mean, whoever just went, Who! you, you know, You might not realize that not everyone likes to be pioneers. Some people like to be settlers. The problem is Jesus calls us to follow him, and by virtue of us responding to him, there's the implication that he's always moving. You can't follow Jesus standing still. And Jesus didn't just call us to believe in him. In fact, he said even the, the devil believes in him. The, the, the difference is, will you come and follow me? And God's always calling us on to take next steps individually and corporately. And, and I'm, so, I'm a pioneer. So, so when I hear about the stuff you guys are doing, it spins my propellers like crazy, you know. I wish I could kind of clone myself, but it's not legal. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, and be a part of what you guys are doing on the the ground as well. It's fantastic. I just want to just say that to you guys. It'll be scary sometimes. It'll be uncomfortable sometimes. It'll stretch you a lot. You'll have to bridge up in your faith. You'll have to bridge up in your generosity. You'll have to bridge up in your sacrifice. Some of your giving is not going to come out of overflow. It's going to come out of sacrifice. But that's what pioneers do. You know, this is America, right? If, 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 if after the first lot of pioneers, when they got to St. Louis, Missouri, if they decided, oh, that's enough pioneering, we're going to switch from being pioneers and we're going to become settlers, Hollywood wouldn't exist. And we'd all be living in St. Louis. And I'm not going to say anything about that. I like St. Louis. I preached at a great church up there. Any case, but I just want to really affirm you guys, we, we're pioneering ourselves. We, uh, five weeks ago, we launched a brand new church in Perth called Elevate Church, and that's uh, a whole pioneering thing, you know. And we lost people in the run up to that. We lost people that, that, that didn't want to be pioneers, and there weren't bad people, just understand that, okay? This isn't about good people versus bad people, it, but it's about a spirit. So I want to affirm you guys uh, be pioneers. And watch what God does, you know, because you're going to create something that doesn't exist, and God's going to use that. So it's exciting. I'm going to keep watching. Watch this space. Well, technically watch that space up the road. But, uh, yeah, really, really cool. Um, As I said, we pioneered a a new church, Elevate Church. You can come and check us out online at elevatechurch.me. And our website was designed by a company in Corona, Southern California. So, you know, we're feeling a bit of SoCal love over in Perth, um, and uh, in the lead up uh, to, this, to this launch as Elevate Church, that was February 3, and, and then we got on with the, the regular preaching after that, and I, and I was thinking, what would be a great topic to start Elevate Church on? What, what would be the first menu item we would serve up on the teaching platter at Elevate Church? And we did. A, we launched a series. It finishes today. My wife's preaching. Literally, hey, she's preaching right now. It's Sunday morning in Perth. No kidding, that's freak. That's amazing. It's <laughs> amazing. And you guys got yeah. They scored. You settled. But uh, anyway, <laughs> what can I say? Um, <clears throat> and, and and I really felt God. You know, say for us the most. One of the, it's hard to say the most important thing, but one of the most critical things for us to get our heads and hearts around is to understand who God says we are, our, our identity, our true identity. I mean, let me ask a question. How many of you have ever felt overwhelmed by something that God's called you to do? Felt inadequate? Felt like, you know, uh, can I get a whole pass on that? Thanks, God. Um, I'd say that's most of us, right? And I want I to share something with you guys tonight that I really, really hope encourages you and sets you up for your next steps in your life. We've, we have launched this series, Who Do You Think You Are? And we've looked at some key truths of who God says we are as followers of Jesus. And I'm going to share the first one of those with you tonight. So this is fresh out of the oven of Elevate Church, Um, and, and, and it's critical because our identity shapes our actions, right? If we think we're capable of something, we will go ahead and do it. We will be bold. We will take risks. We will take giant leaps of faith if we think we're capable of something. But if we think we're not, we'll shrink back. We'll stay inside the box, We'll, 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 we'll stiff-arm some of the things God asks of us. And the problem is that our life becomes the sum total of our actions. Okay? At the end of our life, it'll be measured by the sum total of our actions, not by our intentions. It'll be measured by our actions, and our identity shapes our actions. So it is critical that we get a true picture of our true identity and God's, what God says we are, who God says we are, that's true north and I want to just spend a little bit of time tonight helping each one of us recalibrate back to true north, okay? How's that? All right. Thus begins the sermon, whatever that means. One of the, 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 the big truths of this idea of who we really are is, is that God wants, you know, if our identity shapes our actions, God wants us to act from our identity, not live life in search for our identity. And it's a very critical distinction. Our identity should be the foundation that we act from, not some lofty ideal that we never ever get ...to grab a hold of because there's some things that God declares we are... ...the the moment we choose to make Jesus our Lord. And we're meant to act from our identity, not in search of our identity. Big, big distinction. So let me share one of those things. It's something that Paul wrote to a church in a place called Corinth... ...which which is in modern day Greece. And this is what he wrote to them. And it's as true for us today as it was for them 2,000 years ago... ...for those of us that are following Jesus and have made him our Lord, okay? He said this, I wrote this. Paul wrote, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, in other words, if you've made Jesus your Lord, and you're following him, the new creation has come. Not will come, has come. The old has gone, the new is here. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. We are therefore... Not we will one day become. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. And, and that's exactly what is happening. Paul says we are God's ambassadors. Okay, It's a declaration of our current position. It's not a, a promise of something that will maybe happen in the future. And, and, and the great thing about this, And the great thing about everything with our identity is the understanding and the recognition that God moved first. God moved first. Anything we do should be in response to God moving first. It takes a lot of pressure off when you understand that that's how it's meant to work, right? But it doesn't take all the pressure off because it still requires a response. So so when we choose to follow Jesus, Paul says, this is how it works. The old has gone. We have become a new creation. And now, in response to that, God calls us his ambassadors. And and we're to go out and act as his ambassadors. In fact, I, I say it this way. Where Jesus' ambassador, sent by God from heaven to earth, that's our job description, that's our identity, that's our business card, that's our Facebook page, that's our V signature on our emails, I am, you are, we are God's ambassadors sent from heaven to earth, now I know you're all extremely bright people, that's why you're here part of Oak Valley Church, that's like the smartest thing you could ever do. Unless you want to move to Perth and become part of Elevate Church. Upgrade there. Um. <laughs> There's a whole lot more pioneering going on in Perth, man. I mean, like you're not all going to want to do that. But let me just recap, okay? Just, just to highlight, make sure we're all reading up the same playbook here, what an ambassador is. An ambassador is the highest-ranking diplomat sent by one country to another country. Now, you all knew that, right? Okay, so I'm just not... A, this is not information. This is sort of just revision here, okay? An ambassador is the highest-ranking diplomat sent from one country to another, and their job is to represent the country that sent them, okay? So if, for example, uh, using, uh, using us as an example, the Australian government, we've sent an ambassador to South Africa. I mean, we've sent an ambassador to most countries around the world, but we've sent an ambassador to South Africa. That ambassador job is to go and live in South Africa, and, and the mission is to represent the message and the intent and the mission and the position of the Australian government, right? It's a no-brainer, okay? No, I, yeah, yeah, okay, good, I mean, I'm not expecting you to go, oh, he's so smart, I'm just saying, I know you already know this, I'm kind of just recapping here, okay? Wow, Aussies, um, but, but what we need to understand is it's exactly the same for us. God says that earth is not our home. That we were sent from heaven, which is our true home, to earth on an assignment as God's ambassador. Earth's not our home, but, but we're here as ambassadors for God, sent from our home and sent to represent the, 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 the mission the message, the position of the one who sent us. That's what makes us ambassadors. You follow? And this is both an enormous privilege because, you know, it's a pretty cool business card, right? Mark Pomery, God's ambassador. Perhaps you've heard of me. <laughs> right? I mean, really, that's, that's pretty cool, right? It's a great job description, an enormous privilege. And the problem is some of you are like, You're sitting there, your butt cheeks are clenched so tight together right now. (laughs) If we put a piece of coal in there, it'd come out a diamond in about 20 minutes' time. Because you're not thinking about it as being an enormous privilege. You're thinking about, oh my goodness, that sounds like a whole lot of responsibility. Aren't you? And you're like, don't give me the business card. (laughs) And, And the reality is it's both. It's both an enormous privilege and an enormous responsibility. It's an enormous privilege because God chose you. That's pretty cool. He didn't have to, but he did. He chose you. He chose me. He chose us. Some of us don't think we're capable of doing the job. God wouldn't have chosen you and appointed you if he didn't think you were capable of doing the job. But because of who you think you are, some of you, you put your insecurities as your true identity. You put your failures front and center as true north. And, and, and those are the first things you think about. Those are the first things you're reminded of. And by the way, the devil's very, very quick to, to be you know highlighting those, racking up the CV of all the things that we've missed, messed up in, Opportunities we've let go through to the backstop. But God wouldn't have chosen you if he didn't think you were capable. God doesn't set us up for failure. Some of you don't think you're capable of being God's ambassadors because of what other people say about you or have said about you. Parents, in some cases, that have, that have, just, that have said things that have crushed your, your spirit growing up. Friends. Uh, teachers, people of influence in your, in your world have, have, have crushed dreams and aspirations and shrunk, wrapped you down to something less than what God has for you. And when you hear that you're God's ambassador, unfortunately, you can't get past that. And I'm, I'm here tonight to remind you, guys, God chose you. And instead of thinking about all of our inadequacies, as our true identity, instead of thinking about any of the negative things that have been said or do get said about us and thinking that they are our true identity, we need to get back to true north and remind ourselves, who does God say I am? Well, he says I'm, I'm, I'm his ambassador sent from heaven to earth. He chose me. He chose you. Jesus said it exactly this way. You didn't choose me. I chose you. You know what people say, I found Jesus? What is it? Jesus was never lost. <laughs> Hello, Jesus. He found us. And all most of us did was smart enough to answer his call. Right? He ch- It's brilliant. You, you know, you, we, we, in fact, we need to also understand this even a bit deeper. An ambassador is different from a politician. See, a politician is elected, an ambassador is appointed. We're appointed. It doesn't, we, don't, we don't have to worry about how many people vote for us as to whether we're capable. Oh, not everyone agrees that I'm God's ambassador. Screw them. <laughs> They're not the ones that are appointing you. It's not up for a vote. Can you say that here? <clears throat> we don't, ambassadors aren't elected. That is so liberating. You don't even have to vote for you. Right? And if you vote against you, it doesn't count. Right? You, you follow? So, so, so God says you're his ambassador, and you think, oh, no, I'm not. That vote doesn't count. Or someone else, you know, they, they, they you could never be God's ambassador. Too bad. Their opinion doesn't count. I didn't say it this time. That's not on the CD. Oh, this is video being videoed. Oh, crap. Um, all right. Jesus chose you. How many of you watch the film Toy Story? Now, you watch it with a kid because you don't want people to think that you're actually watching it for your own enjoyment, right? <laughs> if we don't have kids yet. I had to go and rent the neighbor's kids and take them to the cinema. Sure, I'll buy the popcorn. There's a scene in Toy Story, the first one, and, uh, which at the time was just called Toy Story. Now it's called Toy Story 1. Um, where um, the, the, there's a, the, the scene is a, an arcade, a, a video arcade, pinball arcade kind of thing. What do you guys call them? Arcade. Yes. I speak American. Um, so, so the scene is at an arcade. Arcade. And, uh, and, it's, and it's one of those arcade games where, 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 the, where you know, you've, you've got two buttons and you've got to maneuver a claw that goes out and, you know, the first button is for that claw to go out and then the second button is for that claw to go across, you know, and then the claw goes down. And there's all these fluffy toys in the bottom of that, uh, of that uh, machine. You, you guys know this one? You, you know, you get, they're, at the, they're at the fairs and all that sort of stuff. And so the scene, the scene is this. You, you see it from front, this claw going out, and then going across. And then, and then they switch to the aerial shot of, uh, of this arcade, and the claw goes down. And it grabs one of the fluffy toys. And, and you know this is fiction because when it came up, it actually held on to that toy, right? <laughs> Which never happens in real life. Bugger! Um... And, uh, and, it, and it pulls it up, and, and the other fluffy toys around it are looking up at this aerial camera, and they all say, and if you, you have been chosen. <laughs> remember that scene? That's exactly what Jesus wants us to remember, right? We're just these useless, fluffy stuffed toys sitting in a box, no way out, No use while we're in there. And Jesus sends his claw down and chooses us. And doesn't just choose us to put us on a mantelpiece, on a bookshelf. He chooses us and appoints us as his ambassadors. Amazing. So the question actually isn't whether or not we're able. The question is whether or not we're available a question of willingness and within that he will send us to places not every ambassador works on the same level okay you know sort of more capable ambassadors are given higher uh kind of more challenging positions that's why we don't all have the same job in the kingdom we're not meant to we don't have all the same capacity and that's great God won't send us to, a, to, to, to a, 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 an assignment that's way beyond us and we're just going to fail because we fail ourselves. We fail. It doesn't work that way. He'll pick the assignment. The question is not whether we're able, it's whether we're available, and he'll put us in our sweet spot as we respond to him and don't discount ourselves with all of the things that we think disqualify us. So God chose us, but, but it's equally important to understand that an ambassador is sent with all of the authority of the one who sent them. That's why they can do their job. They get to stand before kings. They get to stand before prime ministers. The uh, American ambassadors get to stand before world leaders, and they get to say these words. The president has asked me to say to you, the United States government would like me to communicate this to you. That's got a lot of horsepower in that, right? And they, they never would, because it's not protocol, they never would say, well, what I think is. They'd never say that because it's not protocol, but they'd never say that because that doesn't actually count for anything. Mate, you're not here for us to listen to your opinion, pal. What is the one who you're here representing got to say about this situation? That's the message we're meant to deliver. Not our insecure, overwhelmed, shrunk-wrapped identities. We're meant to be able to stand in front of anybody and say, You know what? My God who has sent me from heaven to earth says this about that. He wants you to know this about that situation. He wants you to hear these words about your life. When we pray, we've got nothing in and of ourselves, but we have all of the authority of the one who sent us to pray into a situation. The early church knew this. When someone died, they didn't just have the funeral as the next thing. They prayed for that person to come back to life. And most of the time they didn't, but sometimes they did. That is like the coolest party trick you could ever possibly pull off, I absolutely guarantee. An ambassador doesn't speak on their own behalf. They speak on behalf of the one that represents this. You guys will get this. I have a brother. My brother's 17 months older than me. His name's Philip. And uh, growing up, you know, we got on pretty well most of the time. But boys will be boys, and occasionally, you know, uh, I think my brother and I actually pioneered MMA. And uh, and uh, but th- th- this was this was in this was old school. Th- this was in the days before you could tap out. This was this was you know, two boys, one bedroom. Two boys enter. One boy leaves. (laughs) And so we'd get into some scraps, you know, like big time. And he was older than me, and he'd pin me most of the time. Sometimes i you know, kind of sneak out of there. And, you know, I'd sneak out. I'd go running, find my mom. Mom! Phil's Phil's picking on me. He's beating me up again. And I don't know, know. You know what my mother would say? Well, tell him to stop. <laughs> They'd better cover off that subject at the parenting class. Because <laughs> that is quite possibly the most useless piece of advice <laughs> you could ever offer a child. <laughs> tell him to stop. Genius! Mom, I never thought of that. (laughs) My mother's a very intelligent woman, but at that moment in time, the best she had was, tell him to stop. Just great. You don't get to choose your parents. (laughs) So, I would say dear mother of mine, not only has that thought already crossed my mind, that's quite possibly the only thing I have been telling him to do for the last five minutes, along with a few choice, high octane words thrown in the mix, and it appears to me that he either hasn't heard me or has chosen not to listen to that particular request. Thankfully, my mother would reinsert her brain and say, All right, go back in there and tell him I told him to stop. <laughs> Come on now. And so that's exactly what I would do. Phil, Mum said, Stop. and he would that was it see when I tried to speak on my own authority no deal epic fail but when I went in there and spoke with the authority of the one who had sent me the one who had the sharp knives in the kitchen (laughs) and wasn't afraid to use them Everything changed. Guys, we are God's ambassadors. Chosen by him and sent with his authority. We don't have to be frightened by this appointment. We don't have to be overwhelmed by this appointment. Oh, yeah, it'll mean discomfort. Ambassadors living in foreign lands often find life more uncomfortable than if they were living in the, you know, familiar setting that they grew up in, but they're there on a mission, and it's a vital mission. And while they're there, they orient everything about their lives to achieve that mission. They learn everything about that country that they're going to. They understand everything about that culture. They don't just hide in the embassy. They're there for a mission. You get this? And that's us, guys. That's you and me. And we're to orient everything in our lives to be God's ambassadors, to be effective, to do everything we can, that while we're here on earth, sent by God from heaven to earth to become his ambassadors, while we're living here, albeit temporarily, we're to reorient everything, everything, to fulfill the purpose that he sent us here to achieve, to not hold back, to be all in, to not Splash around knee deep in the shallow end of the pool, but to be doing bombies in the deep end of the pool. You don't call them bombies, huh? You call them cannonballs or something, right? We call them bombies. I reckon bombies sounds good, don't you think? Do you like that one, Jay? Bombies, man. <clears throat> and you have to do them on somebody. That's the only time they're fun. <laughs> For me, uh, I, I left a corporate job. Uh, in my late 20s, a job that I'd studied at college to, to be qualified for, and I was on an executive track with the fifth largest company in the world. The, 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 en- the possibilities were endless. And I felt God calling me to a to a paid by the church full-time ministry role. Okay, Notice I said that, by the way, because we're all in a full-time ministry role. Just that some of you wear your red jocks on the inside and go to work as a you know, school teacher or a stay-at-home mom, but you're still in a full-time ministry role. Because you're God's ambassadors. Some of us get to wear our red jocks on the outside and uh, reveal our Clark Kent identity as our paid job by the church. But the point is, we're all in a full time ministry role. So for me, when I felt God calling me to a full time paid by the church ministry role, I quit my job. I went to Bible college. I reoriented everything to make sure that I fulfilled the role that God had sent me to fulfill. That doesn't mean you have to go to Bible college. It might, but actually, law of averages for the majority of you, it probably wouldn't mean that. But what it still means is, to, is that you are called as God's ambassadors, and that means to reorient every aspect of your life to fulfilling that mission and that purpose, to ask the question, God, what do you have me here to do? It's not just to suck oxygen. What do you have me here to do? and act in response that he moved first, and now I'm going to act in response to that as his ambassador. I want to leave you with that question. Who do you think you are? You are God's ambassador sent from heaven to earth to fulfill his mission. How cool is that? Huh? Stick that business card in your pipe and smoke, and I say I'm going to ask one more question. You know, I've been talking this whole time and it, that this idea of being God's ambassador only applies to those people who have made Jesus their Lord. You know, I've said that Jesus didn't, when he was here on earth, he, he didn't just call people to believe in him. He called people to start to follow him, to say, I'm your Lord. You know, we jokingly, jokingly say in kind of church world, it's to say to Jesus, you know, whatever you Wherever you lead me, I will follow. Whatever you feed me, I will swallow. This idea of just abandoning yourself to him and going after him with everything you've got. For some of you in a a room with this many people, you may have never taken that first step. You know, I said, we don't find Jesus. Jesus is calling us, but it takes a response from us to turn to him. Some of you have never turned to him. You've never made that move. He's moved first. He's come looking for you. He wants to choose you. The claw's on the way out, but we've got to act in response. And some of you have never actually acted in response. You've never taken that step to, to let yourself follow him. And we want to give you that opportunity right here, right now, before we finish up tonight. And here's what we're going to do in a moment. For those of you that need to take that step, you need to turn yourself towards Jesus and not live with your back to him. In a moment, I, I want you to acknowledge that that's something that you want to do just by putting your hand up. And when I see a hand, I'll get you to put it down. And then we're going to pray. Just pray a prayer. We're all going to pray just like where we're seated. We're not going to do funky things. And, uh, but we want to make sure you have that opportunity to take that step, to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. And I just want to kind of know a bit about you. I want to follow you. So how about those of you that need to make that decision, to make that your next step tonight? How about you just put your hand up? And when I see your hand, you can put it down, and then we're going to pray. We don't want to miss anybody. And quite frankly, if this was the only thing we did tonight, it would have been worth me coming halfway around the world to give you this opportunity. But don't miss this opportunity. Take this next step if you haven't done that yet. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to make you my Lord. Just put your hand up and then you can put it down okay i'm a visitor, and uh some of you you know let me just uh let me just gather my thoughts for a second. Awesome, okay good job uh. Well, I'll come back to my thoughts. I said we're going to pray. Let's pray. Had somebody raise their hand just now. Fantastic. I want you to all say these words after me and make this your prayer. Even if you've made this decision before, make this your prayer as God's ambassadors. But that guy that raised his hand for tonight, especially make this your prayer. Say these words after me. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus. Thanks, for thanks for moving first. Thanks for choosing me. And tonight, I respond. I turn to you. I choose to follow you. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a brand new start. And I commit to follow you from this day forward for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. How about we celebrate with that one person? Look, uh, I have no intention of getting down on you guys, um, and, and you need to love me because I finished 20 minutes early, um, but I just want to say this to you, and I say this to our church, Easter's coming up, okay, and uh, retailers know Easter's coming up because they're throwing down the chocolate big time, right, <laughs> because retailers understand the seasons. They throw down at Christmas, all the very things that go with Christmas, right, right, and, and you only see them for the you know, month or two leading up to Christmas. And then Easter, we see you guys have hot cross buns and, and uh, Easter eggs and chocolate bunnies and all that. You know, retailers understand the seasons. You know what, guys? We need to understand the seasons even better than retailers understand the seasons. And Christmas and Easter are huge, huge seasons. We call them CEOs, people that come to church on Christmas and Easter only. And some of you are married to a CEO. Some of you are the child of a CEO. Some of you are the parent of a CEO. Some of you are the neighbor of a CEO. Some of you are a colleague of a CEO. Some of you are going to meet a CEO in the next two or three weeks. Understand the seasons. And your mission over the next three weeks, as God's ambassador, is to invite them along to Oak Valley on Easter. You know what? Your your responsibility is not whether they say yes or not. That's between them and God. But you can be bloody sure it's your responsibility and my responsibility to make the invitation. Right? So keep an eye out for the CEOs. They're everywhere. Right? I mean, everywhere. Where do you find non-Christians? Everywhere. (laughs) They don't live on some remote island all huddled together hoping no one invites them to Oak (laughs) Valley Church on Easter. (laughs) They're coming to get me. No. Invite them and then trust that God's going to work and some of them are going to say yes. And uh, I just charge you with that responsibility. I'm thrilled for the guy that raised his hand tonight. Responded to that, but you know, and 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 uh, and buddy, God says that all of heaven rejoices. Like Chuck's a party right now. They're blowing out candles. The cake's got your name on it. Who? How good is that? And one day you get to eat a slice of it up there. Um, no calories. It's amazing. And uh, um, so, so we love the one. Right? And we love the 100. Right? And Easter's a season. It's an opportunity where that, that one can be 100. And those 100 is 100 times one. Every one has a story. Every one is someone God has chosen. And we get the opportunity to invite them. So I'm just challenging you with that, but the week after Easter, the season's passed. All right? So... Tom Villalobos, all yours. Great, great, great. Hey, somebody bring me a card, will you? Uh, An Easter card? It's on the... uh